a midseason check-in next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Waits for it. Yep. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got it. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. Seven, 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schembechler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming, sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace, and welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. The Wolverines are on a bye, but we're not taking bye weeks here on Michigan Podcast, especially when the good guys are 6-0, and ranked in the top 10 of an AP poll that didn't even bother to rank them at all in the preseason. So let's use this bye week as an occasion to kind of take stock on how far the Wolverines have come, and then ultimately, how far could they still go? Let's go through some of the thoughts I had in the aftermath of Michigan's win on the road at Nebraska, in which the Wolverines took several punches and responded in kind. Let's start with this trend line. This is from Zach Shaw at 24-7 Sports, who notes, in the last 40 years, Six Michigan teams have started 6-0, and and I went back and looked at how those teams finished out. 1986, Jim Harbaugh's senior year, Big Ten champions. 1997, Big Ten national champions. 2006, started 11-0. That was our last Rose Bowl appearance. 2011, won the Sugar Bowl, finished 11-2. That was our last major bowl win. 2016, finished 10-2, made it to the Orange Bowl, Harbaugh's best team yet. So that's a positive trend line of where this team could ultimately go. How about this? Look at the emotion here between Harbaugh and Aiden Hutchinson after the win against Nebraska on Saturday night. That is as much emotion as I can remember ever seeing from Jim since he's been the coach here, at least 
since the 2016 season. I mean, we didn't see that even during the revenge tour of 2018. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's Jim Harbaugh at Stanford and with the 49ers kind of stuff. That's the guy we thought we were hiring. And maybe the reason we saw this level of emotion from Harbaugh is because of this point from Jordan Johnson, who tweeted to me after the game Saturday night, um, this Michigan team did something others would not have done, punched back. And I completely agree. The last three games in a row, Rutgers in the second half, Wisconsin in the first half, uh, right before halftime, and then Nebraska in the second half. Michigan has taken a punch in the mouth three weeks in a row and responded with a win. This has been a notoriously front-running program under Jim Harbaugh. When they get on you, they usually dominate you. If you punch them in the mouth, they typically don't respond. This year's team, the last three games in a row, has been dramatically different. Something else to keep in mind. As the battle over what to do with the starting quarterback position continues. In, in Cade McNamara, you've got a guy with a lot of intangibles. And that and those are things that are tough to coach. I mean, guys kind of either come out of the home with them uh, and arrive on campus with them, or they don't. And those things matter quite a bit. I think of the last quarterback here to win a national championship and Brian Greasy, former walk-on, wasn't the most talented guy in the world, but he had leadership in spades. Unfortunately, though, Cade's got limitations as well. We see that from a talent perspective. You see this when Devin Gardner does his film breakdowns uh, on WTKA, and he points out all the throws and that Cade misses or underthrows or overthrows. So at some point, you do reach a point of diminishing returns if he cannot take a step. And and that's something that will have to be wrestled with for the rest of the season. No question about it. But when you look at why Kate is starting, if you're wondering, Sports Source, Sports Source Analytics has it for you. Um, and, and, and points out that Michigan has the lowest rate of momentum killers on offense in all of college football, meaning only 3% of their plays are a turnover, a penalty, or or some other missed assignment that killed the momentum on a drive. Only 3% of Michigan's plays on offense this year. Only three. That's incredible. And so what we have here, to me, I think is a classic Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick situation, like when, when you know Jimmy was coach of the 49ers. So Cade is limited. It's obvious he's limited. On the other hand, The offense is very efficient. So basically, until J.J. is ready to be Colin Kaepernick, you stick with Alex Smith. I think that's probably where Michigan is at right now. But that still does leave a conundrum, though. Because with Cade, you've got a leader of men. I mean, you look at the way that he led drives that responded to every Nebraska punch. Uh, I mean, that was tough as nails. How about the fact he led a 75-yard touchdown drive after he threw his first interception of the season? He did not wilt whatsoever. That should be applauded. That is clearly marinating its way through the team. On the other hand, he had a dismal 44.3 grade from Pro Football Focus. That's like, I mean, it's not John O'Corn, but it's... It, it, it ain't 2016 Wilton Spade stuff either. I mean, at 44.3, it's tough to win big games with, with your quarterback at 44.3 for a grade on pro football focus. So that's the Cade McNamara conundrum. His leadership has been a big part of the culture that has this team off to such a great start, but the current production level will not be good enough against the opponents we're facing in the second half of the season. So at some point then, he either takes a step or you reach that point of diminishing returns. And that's 
you know, I, 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 and I have no preference here. Okay, I, I just want Michigan to win. And if Michigan can win, continue to win by Cade McNamara taking a step forward, then, you know, go Cade. And if Michigan can win by help by J.J. McCarthy being ready to help Michigan take the next step and reach its ceiling, I'm all for that. I, I just want to win. And, but let's talk defense here really quick before we get out of here. If they're looking for something halfway through the year to be concerning on defense, we have now seen two coaching staffs make – a second half adjustment on our defense to force it to play laterally. And they have blown up our defense both times doing so. So both Rutgers and Nebraska attempted to come downhill against the Michigan defense. And Nebraska's offense after that first drive did absolutely nothing the rest of the half. Rutgers didn't do anything offensively in the first half at all. At halftime in both games, the other team's offense decided, let's make Michigan move laterally let's make them defend the width of the field as well and you saw Rutgers exploit some of that and you really saw Nebraska exploit some of that and when you consider that our defensive coordinator Mike McDonald who has done a fantastic job thus far comes from the Baltimore Ravens where he was coaching against Lamar Jackson in practice every day it ain't like he ain't seen an offense with a lot of misdirection and zone read and things of that nature. So those are some things that need to be worked on here for both the quarterback position, but then also on the defensive side of the football here during the bye week. But at, at the midseason, if you're a Michigan fan, and I'm going to guess most of us are, you could not have asked for much more than where we are right now. All right, let's find out what the latest is from our friends over at DraftKings. And if you're an NFL fan, you are hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, it has got you covered. New customers can bet just 5 bucks, just $5, on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. That's some winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's just that simple. 5 bucks on any NFL team to win their game. And if you do, that's 200 bucks in free bets from DraftKings. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code MICHIGANPODCAST. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with the promo code Michigan Podcast this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And remember, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 800-270-7117. 21 and older, Michigan only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Well, let's get the uh, viewpoint from the other side of the scarlet and gray septic tank with our good friend Mark Rogers uh, here on the 10-Minute War. Of course, Mark has a fantastic channel. If you are a college football fanatic year-round, you cannot do better uh, than uh, the voice of college football. And you get angles and information from every team across the country. But during this time period, we focus on Michigan, the Big Ten, and more. Good to see you again, Mark. How are you? Good to see you, Steve. Appreciate that. Uh... Wow, this uh, month of October and especially November in the Big Ten is going to be something else, something we haven't seen in a long, long time. You know, five Big Ten teams ranked in the top ten of the AP poll right now. And when you go back, you know, to eras, I mean, this dates back to 1936 when the poll debuted. I mean, there were a lot of years uh, pre-1960s when it was just a top ten or just a top 20. 
And, I mean, the Big Ten was easily the most dominant conference in college football in those eras. And yet, this is the first time ever five of its teams are ranked in the top ten in one week. What do you make of that, Mark? Well, I think some of it's coincidental based on backloaded schedules. Uh, but I think uh, it's substantial to a certain extent. Do I truly believe that Michigan State's one of the ten best teams in the country? I don't. Uh, I think they're probably still going to go in that nine and three range. But I think uh, it. I think it's. It um, there there's an argument to be waged over the best conference in college football because if we're going to go through the data that we know relates to the field, meaning recruiting rankings and NFL draft selections and just the talent, then we're still going to opt for the SEC being the best conference. And and most people focus on the top of conferences and not necessarily one through 14 in this comparison, and the SEC still has it. But if you want to go deep, five, six, seven, eight teams deep than the Big Ten. And then if you want to go with the results on the field and the performance on the field that we've seen here in 2021, then the Big Ten, for the first time in a few years, there can be an argument over the best conference in college football. So, you know what? I didn't tell you we were going to do this. Let's do this just for fun. All right, so I'm going to I'm gonna go down um, the, uh, the, the rosters of each league. You tell me neutral field what you think the line is. Okay? Okay. All right. And so I'll try to I'll try to I'm going to do this off the top of my head. I'm going to try to seed them according to probably how Vegas power rates them at the moment. In fact, no, let's seed them according to how the AP ranks them since we're doing this off the framework of the top 10 of the AP poll. Fair? We'll do it that way. Okay? okay? Yeah. All right. So, Georgia and Iowa, 1-2 in the country, neutral field. What do you think the line is? Georgia 11 think it's that high yeah georgia just came off being what an 18 or 19 point favorite at home against arkansas a substantial favorite uh auburn was about 15 or 16 points something in that range I, i'm gonna say that there's still i i think uh vegas really clings to its uh perception of teams and i think they believe georgia to be super super dominant okay i think it could be seven maybe eight i think 11 might be steep but I think it's. I think we're in around a touchdown or a little more range, give or take a point. Okay, all right. Um, Alabama and Ohio State. Uh, I think um, Alabama's probably still going to be an eight-point favorite in that game. I think it's that high. I don't think it's that uh, I high. Think I think we're probably in the was, five or six-point range. It was ten points for last year's national championship game. Yeah, but. Um, they don't have Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, uh, Mac Jones. They've already lost a game on the road. Almost lost another game on the road. Uh, what they have done, I mean, in fact, when you when you look at them all together, frankly, I, I'm not really sure if they weren't ranked Alabama, they'd be in the top ten. Like, I, do you know what the case for Bryce Young well, is, I know that. as one of your Heisman ballots would be? Do you, do you know what that is currently? Other than I play quarterback at Alabama, do you know what the case for that is? Well, the the case for Bryce Young right now? Yeah, what's his Heisman Trophy case, do you know? Uh, statistically, he's uh, completing like 73% of his passes. Okay. His TD to pick ratio was like 17 to 2 going into the A&M game. Okay, all right. Because to me, I'm just like, okay, so he's the quarterback at Alabama then. There's, there's like, also there's not like a the quarterback at BYU. He lost at A&M. 
almost almost couldn't almost lost the game at Florida. I mean, how do we ultimately so so if I put up video game numbers against Mercer and a few and and a few other teams, but if I don't play great in the games that ultimately matter, they get on national TV. That seems a little system quarterbacky to me. Well, I, I think that other portions of the Alabama football team is struggling more so than he is. Okay. Okay. So you've got Georgia at 11 over Iowa. You've got Alabama at about, would you say, eight over Ohio State? I said eight. Okay. Yes. It was 10 last year, and there was a Justin Fields playing for Ohio State last year. So I, I think if we go by the AP poll, who's next? Kentucky? Kentucky. Kentucky. All right. Michigan and Kentucky. Neutral field. Actually, no, it's Penn State and Kentucky because Penn State's ahead of Michigan. So Penn State and Kentucky, what do you think the line is on a neutral field, assuming Clifford and everybody's healthy? Penn State, Sean Clifford, Kentucky, neutral field. I'm going to say Penn State by six, according to Vegas. Yeah, I could see that too. Okay. So then after Kentucky, we're going with, uh, is that Arkansas then? No, Ole Miss. Ole Miss would be next. Ole Miss. All right, so Ole Miss and Michigan, neutral field. I think, uh, wow, I think that's close to a pick um, game. I'm going to say that they're going to slide Ole Miss a couple points. Yeah, I think you're off by about five points. Looking at last week's Vegas power ratings. going to be a touchdown favorite? No, I think Michigan's at least a field goal favorite looking at last week's Vegas power ratings. Okay. I'm I'm going with a pick game there. Okay. Um, So then we'd have Arkansas against Michigan State. Right? Yes. Okay. Arkansas, Michigan State, neutral field. What do you think? Arkansas, five. I think that's probably a little high, but maybe a point or two. Um, let's see, there's seven. So now we're at Florida. We have Florida and Wisconsin. Is that what we have on a neutral field? Actually, if, if you look at power ratings, go. it'd be Florida, Wisconsin, and Nebraska would be next. Okay, so Florida, Wisconsin on a neutral field. Keep in mind... The, really the only thing Florida does really well on offense is really the only thing Wisconsin does really well as a team. <laughs> and they do it extremely well, which is stop the run. But what do you think? I think that Vegas loves the SEC, and I think that they would make Florida a six-point favorite. Okay. That's actually considering one team's ranked and the other's two and three. That's really not all that flattering, I guess, is what I would say. Um, Texas A&M and Nebraska, neutral field. Yeah, after what just happened this past weekend, but Nebraska plays everybody close. Uh, Texas Keep in mind, Nebraska is a top twenty-five team in Vegas power ratings. You look at this stuff. I don't. I do. Yeah. Uh, Texas A&M is going to be Texas A&M is going to be a five-point favorite. Okay, I mean, I think you're about two points high in most of these. But I don't think that they're, like, outrageous either. I mean, two points matters if you and I are betting these, right? Okay? Yes. But But coming up with a cross-reference power rating, I don't know that it makes that much of a difference unless we're consistently two points higher. If we're consistently two points higher, then I think we have to account for some form of an, of an SEC bias. Fair? I believe there's an SEC bias. Okay. And I believe that the SEC or the Vegas lines – typically take a time for them to be adjusted. Vegas is stubborn about its perception of teams. So let's get more parochial and dial it back to Michigan. 6-0, and 
halfway point of the season. I laid out some of my big picture takes. Uh, the emotion after the game Saturday night, I don't remember the last time we saw that out of Jim Harbaugh. Didn't see it even during the 2018 Revenge Tour. Um, maybe we saw some of that in 2016. In some respects, 2016 to me seems like that was a another program with another head coach. It's been kind of Jimmy on Quaaludes for the last four or five years. Um, that was as giddy as I can ever recall him after a game. I think it's because... I mean, we've had better, we've had more talented Michigan teams than this one. I don't recall one since he's been the coach that has taken one punch to the mouth and come back, let alone multiple ones, and come back to win. And they did that here. I mean, the, I mean, Nebraska came back three times in that game, and Michigan answered every single time. So I, I think that there's clearly we can say that we still don't know how good this team can ultimately be, but clearly the culture issues here. Let's start there. I think we can clearly say the culture issues here have been fixed to some degree. Is that fair? I think it's fair, but I also think that those cultural issues were overstated. And mm -hmm. I made that argument a number of times during the offseason that I thought that they were overstated. We were blowing a two and four record and maybe some outside noise. We were blowing that out of proportion. Compared they did to make what seven coaching changes, Mark. So clearly they, they Michigan made, didn't think the, the culture issues were completely overblown. <laughs> fair, fair point, but I, I still think it was overblown because that's what we do. We, we um, tend to go to extremes. Uh, I try to keep it somewhere more moderately in regards to my perception and thought process of teams and coaches week to week. Uh, I, I do think that, that this is a really good football team. And if Ohio State does not take off as they're showing signs of that this Big Ten race is going to be epic, especially on the Eastern Division side. And I cannot predict that Michigan's going to be a Big Ten champion, but I believe that they have the the fight, the drive, the talent. They have all the components to make it an intriguing race in November between them, Penn State, and Ohio State, with Michigan State probably left on the side. That brings us to personnel. Let's. I think the big question on offense moving forward is the quarterback spot. So right now, you look at analytics, Michigan is number one in the country in fewest momentum-killing plays on offense, meaning when you combine penalties, turnovers, and missed assignments, something like 3% of Michigan's plays are momentum killers. That's an incredible number. On the other hand, Cade McNamara, his grade was 44.3 from Pro Football Focus on Saturday night. Former Michigan quarterback Devin Gardner, I, I watched a, a video breakdown. Of, he broke down the All-22, and, I mean, he was pretty brutal. And he pointed out numerous missed throws, pointed out how he overthrew Mike Sandra still on that one touchdown, so he had to make an all-star catch. And then that, he should have walked into the end zone. He had his guy beat by five yards. Instead, he's got to make a circus catch, and then we settle for a field goal on that drive. That should have been a touchdown. And I think you and I both think 17 to nothing at halftime is a lot more mentally difficult to recover from than 13 to nothing. Because if you just get one touchdown, you think, hey, right back in this, right? Um and so I love the young man. I love what he said after the game Saturday. He said, hey, previous Michigan teams I've been on would not have won a game like this. He's right about that. It's clear he's a leader of men, but it feels like we're heading to some kind of Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick point of diminishing returns here, doesn't it? That eventually either he can take a step forward physically or you realize that 
you just can't leave the points on the field. That that it's clear he leaves on the field, and you've got a five star sitting there, and he ain't doing you any good just sitting there, right? What do you think? I think that I would like to know from the typical Michigan fan what their goal is, what they think the realistic goal of this team. Is this team going to gun for a national championship? Then he's not going to pull it off because what we've seen over the last six or seven years is that you need in this day and age an elite quarterback to win a national championship or to win a college football playoff game. To get there in what we are seeing take shape in the Big Ten is going to be some kind of quagmire of 10-2 and teams beating up on each other unless Ohio State separates. Therefore, Cade McNamara could possibly be good enough to get you to a Big Ten championship game and win it uh, because there are no great quarterbacks in this conference. I agree. Yeah, I think he could go 10-2. and I think that that could happen. Yeah, I think he could go 10-2. and and Yeah. And Steve, the type of quarterback play that you're outlining, it's going on all over the nation among top teams. In some respects, you could, but here's, this is why this is so hard, Mark. I could spin that the other way. It it makes perfect sense that, hey, this guy's got the intangibles you're looking for, the leadership you're looking for. It's not a great quarterback year. Hell, 10 and 2 might win, might win the East. Everybody might be 7 and 2, or that at least gets you in a Rose Bowl or a major bowl, and that's a great bounce back. I get that. On the other hand, you can make the argument that's exactly why you make this move, because who else? There's only one other program in the country, in the conference, that is sitting with a a consensus five-star on the bench, all right? And the difference is that, you know, um, is is that you're, well, actually, McCord was a five-star too, I think, so you had a couple of them on the bench. Uh, But so (laughs) it's, this is exactly why you make that move. Because this gives you a ceiling that no one else other than Ohio State in the league has, right? I mean, you can spin that decision both ways. That's why I think that you, this has to be you serve no wine before it's time. I, I think what you have to do, if, if, I were, if, I, if, if I were Jimmy, I would play this out with Cade this year as long as it, it remains successful. Like, I would not pull a bye week yank like he did with Ka- Kaepernick and Smith. I wouldn't do that. I would play it out so until Cade makes it obvious that that his ceiling has been exhausted, and then I would make the move. You see what I'm saying? That's well, what so I would do. So if they're losing to Michigan State by ten points at halftime, you're going to make you a make move. the move then, right then? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, so you're making the Trevor Lawrence Kelly Bryant yes. situation right there, where yep. Dabo said against We're Texas win A&M. The SEC. We're yeah. the best team in the conference. I can get to the college football playoff with Kelly Bryant, but I can't win the whole thing right. without Trevor Lawrence. Now you may not be able to shoot quite that high. But the difference between Ohio State and Michigan situations, so you outlined the the, um, the the commonality, but the difference is, fortunately for Michigan, and maybe Harbaugh has been thinking this the entire time, he's given meaningful snaps to the five-star. Mm-hmm. So he may feel comfortable making this move pretty quickly. And Cade uh, McNamara's rope may not be as long as we think it is. And J.J. McCarthy, he's played in games. Meaningful games, taking meaningful snaps, throwing touchdown passes when it counted. Yeah, I've heard some Cade McNamara apologists make the uh, comparison to Brady and Henson. Maybe they just weren't alive back then, okay? But people forget until late in the year in 1998, Tom Brady was actually not good. I mean, I go back, he got benched against Notre Dame in his first start. They played a brutal game at Minnesota. It was like a 10-3 win or something that year. His, 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 it was in November that everything just kind of clicked. The first two months of that year, he was not that good. 
And there was no, I had no issue at the time at all with mixing him and, and Drew Henson in because it was really not clear who should be the starter. Now, 1999, yeah. he got a raw deal. He was phenomenal that year, all year long. Uh, from the opener against Notre Dame, the comeback that he led until the comeback against Penn State, the Orange Bowl. And so, you know, if Lloyd could go back and replay that 99 Michigan State game, he probably doesn't bench Tom Brady for Drew Henson and just leaves Brady in the game the whole time. But 1998, Tom Brady was not that good. So uh, until late in the year. You know, Michigan started 0-2 that year, and they got blown out in both those games, remember? That's the first time that's ever happened to a defending national champion. Let's go to defense really quick before we run out of time. Because I love what Mike McDonald has done, but we have seen two opponents now at halftime realize we cannot go downhill against this defense. So we're going to make them play laterally. And with a lot of misdirection, a lot of, you know, gimmicky kind of spread offense, bubble screen, you know, draw it up in the dirt, you know, dirt bike kind of offense stuff. And we've seen Michigan get way out of position twice in second halves against both Rutgers and Nebraska as a result of that. Now, in both those games, they did make the key stop at the end. But looking down the pike of the rest of Michigan's schedule, are there teams, because you know I don't count the Ohio State game. So other than that, are there other teams that could take advantage of that, that might be uniquely equipped to say, hey, let's see if we can get these guys in space that are young and, and expose them a little bit? Well, just looking at Nebraska before I turn the spotlight on Michigan real quick, uh, their coaching staff should have understood what they would be able to accomplish against Michigan or have a chance at accomplishing versus what they would not be productive doing because their offensive line's not good and they don't have a running back who's spectacular. So why they were trying that, I don't know. But anyway, they, they got to go with the guy that's uh, typically going to turn it over maybe at the end, but he's your one option to, to get something done. All right, looking at Michigan defensively, I think that there's really one team aside from Ohio State that can really scorch them in the passing game, and that's, uh, you know, Washington and Dotson and that crew at Penn State. If Clifford um, is healthy. We don't we don't have an update on him, right? What is it, what his we, situation is? We don't have is? an update on Sean Clifford. Okay. Although, look at the way Michigan State's playing. Um, they're, they're taking long shots with Reed and Naylor and um, – connecting so they're a better passing team than i initially gave them credit for um so again this this michigan team what they're doing is great and and the the vibe the culture the the energy and even the the nuts and bolts of it are improved considerably and if they're gunning for a big 10 championship which should be paramount they have a great shot at doing so they are playing as well as anybody on their side of the conference right now on all sides, special teams included. Great point on Michigan special teams. They've been a strength the entire Harbaugh era. This might be the best collectively they have been, though. I mean, they're they're fairly elite everywhere. I mean, you can make the argument this is the best kicker and punter on one team in college football, and A.J. Henning has been a very good returner. you got Blake Corum back there who can go to the house at any point on kickoff. So great stuff, Mark. We'll talk to you again next week, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. You bet. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you who is the MVP of the first half of Michigan season, and Aiden Hutchinson wins this thing in a runaway at 43.4%. I'm kind of surprised. Daxton Hill. Now, Aiden Hutchinson deserves to be the winner, but I voted for Daxton Hill just because I thought he deserved more votes than this. 
I mean, he, won, he he had the game-clinching stop against Nebraska on their final play. He had the interception that sparked our momentum in that game. I mean, Daxton Hill, he knocked Graham Mertz out of that game. He should have gotten more than 16.8% of that vote. Elsewhere on that poll, uh, so we mentioned Aiden Hutchinson's first. Daxton Hill is second. Uh, Blake Corum just edges out Hassan Haskins, who we should mention this. That leap... And he, and he stuck the landing and continued in full speed against Nebraska. That's the best run by a Michigan back since Devion Smith's all-timer against BYU in 2015 in Harbaugh's first season. And kids, if you don't remember that run, you need to go watch that. That was a grown-ass man run right there. All right, this week's feedback of the week from William Tonneson, who makes a very good point. And since I was questioning one of these guys – and completely dismissive of the other heading into the season, uh, I need to also eat some crow. And he says, hey, Sharon Moore and Sean Nua also deserve some credit for the first half of the year. The line play is dramatically higher than the last few seasons. So Sharon Moore, I pointed out, never coached offensive line before. We got rid of one of the best offensive line coaches in the sport to make way for him. Uh, I mean, the offensive line has been fairly fantastic. I mean, you go look at Saturday night. We played five different guards, guys. We played five different guards. We played eight different offensive linemen because of shuffling guys in and out with injuries. And you just didn't see any drop-off from what we saw from Trevor Keegan to Carson Barnhart, et cetera. So give Sharon Moore a ton of credit for that. And then Sean Nua, who I think a lot of a lot of us, myself included, were like, why is this guy coming back? What has he done? It's been a disappointment recruiting. Now suddenly defensive line recruiting uh, looks like uh, it's a, a strength of the current class. The defensive line's the surprise unit on this team. So William Tonneson is correct. I should eat some crow. Uh, and we got to give some propers to both Sean Nua and Sharon Moore for the jobs they've done in this first half with those units. Well done, both of you. Thank you. All right, next week, we're going to roll out how we predict the second half of the season to go, our our top five predictions for the second half of the season. Until then, remember, please, to like, rate, share, subscribe, follow, whichever the case may be on YouTube right here if you're watching, or iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play if you're listening. Help us to find more and more Michigan fans just like you. Remember to follow us on Twitter, at Michigan Podcast, and you'll keep up to date on what we think about anything breaking with the Wolverines between now and next week's episode. Until next week's episode, I'm Steve Dace. We'll see you then. Go Blue.